So yeah, welcome back, everybody, to our online community of A Course of Miracles. Good to see, good to see you all. Um, today we're going to go over an overview, a overview, <laughs> the lookout. We're going to look down on lessons 181 through 200. They're the last big 20 in, um, in the workbook part one. Workbook, workbook part one um, is really about laying down the metaphysics of the course, the process of forgiveness, uh, a, a very good look <laughs> at how often we judge, how often we have to judge if we're in ego mode, um, how the, those judgments block our having a miracle, and actually how those judgments are the way back once we acknowledge those judgments. And so it's all about process. It's about looking at how bad bad is <laughs> and then processing our way through it to get to the other side of that, where we realize it's all just made up. So the first 200 lessons are really all about that. Um, and these last 20 lessons is when we go through the introduction to these 20 lessons, Jesus says, these are the things we're going to go over now <laughs> because you're still hanging on to some stuff here. <laughs> and so we're going to look at those kind of things that I think you're hanging on to that maybe we need to revisit or at least um, talk about a little bit more so you're willing to acknowledge those things and then be willing to let them go. So I, in one way, that's a way to look. In one sense, that's a way to look at these lessons 181 through 200. I mean, once again, they're all saying the same thing. <laughs> the Son of God is guiltless, but you don't believe that yet. <laughs> In a nutshell, that's the whole course. <laughs> and Jesus is going to help us realize that's what we do believe, that the Son of God is, is guilty, and then how to let that go. So as an opening meditation, I wanted to look at today's lesson, a little bit of it. Tony will be going over it in depth in August because we'll eventually, um, we have a new uh, online video series that we're doing on all these lessons because they're so um, they're, they're real full. <laughs> I mean, it's a real diet for these uh, as a kind of a capstone for this first 200 lessons. And we'll look at those kind of things that Jesus is specifically asking us to look at in these set of 20 lessons that are still keeping us from having a miracle that may be still keeping us from having a miracle from his point of view. So we'll look at a lesson, a little bit of lesson 193, and then we'll do a meditation from there. Uh, today's lesson, if you um, kind of did uh, a lesson twice on leap year day, and if not, you're probably on 194. But anyway, lesson 193, all things are lessons God would have me learn. So, one of the different ways to look at this title. Um, one word, you can put anything in there for the word thing. <laughs> you, you can put uh, relationships in there, that works. All relationships are lessons God would have me learn. You can put um, stuff in there, <laughs> whatever, whatever your favorite stuff of the day is, du jour. Um, you could put you in there. <laughs> My idea of me is a lesson God would have me unlearn, actually. <laughs> so, so one of the big things with titles, and, and I, I think this is really helpful to do this. And in fact, we'll do it today. One of the things with titles is to read the title and realize if I really believe that, 
uh, I'd be back in heaven. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't need this course. I wouldn't need Jesus telling me all things are lessons God would have me learn. So part of the, this process of waking up is, and he actually says this in the second paragraph, you don't believe that. You, you see all things, all relationships, even your sense of self as something that you think you need to learn. Who am I? <laughs> from a separated sense point of view, from an ego point of view. And then even more to the point, what we're really learning from the ego's point of view is who's the bad guy? All things are lessons the ego would have me learn, meaning I'll know who the bad guy is after I go through this, because <laughs> it ain't me. <laughs> it's got to be somebody else. So one way of doing the lessons is to look at the contradictions to the title. That's what he says in uh, paragraph two, God sees no contradictions, yet his son does, <laughs> and he believes them. So uh, part of the, the trick the ego does is the ego teaches us that all things, all relationships are lessons the ego would have us learn about blame is a, a real thing, sin is a done deal, and I'm gonna point the finger at who is who sin. Those are the things, those are the relationships. That's the purpose of everything from an ego point of view. So Jesus really wants us to look at the contradiction, and usually he does that in every lesson. My favorite is lesson 93 where, you know, beautiful title, love, peace, and joy, <laughs> abide in me, or however it is. I never remember the title, but I remember the first paragraph. <laughs> yeah, that's all nice, but the first paragraph in Lesson 93 is, you don't believe that at all. You think you're the home of evil, darkness, and sin. That's the contradiction. That's what we believe, and then on top of that, we pretend we don't believe that, and then we blame our brothers for all the pain we're feeling. So part of the process is... And one of the ways to look at lesson titles, all of them, <laughs> is if we really believed any lesson title, uh, we'd be okay already. The lesson titles really are the third step of forgiveness. So to get to that awareness that all things, everything I come across is a lesson God would have me learn uh, about mercy, about letting go of condemnation, which is what he talks about in this lesson. Um, First, he wants us to look at how we don't believe that and how we do go looking for trouble all the time. And how we believe everything's a lesson for the ego. And, and, and then on worse, on top of that, we don't even admit that's what's going on. We just think we're having a normal day. Well, we are. It's a normal day of <laughs> condemnation and judgment <laughs> and finding out who the sinner is. <laughs> There, you know, just watch any news forecast <laughs> for the last week. There's sinners everywhere. <laughs> Some of them are being let off the hook. <laughs> and then there's people like me that are, are reacting to that, <laughs> reacting to other sinners being let off the hook. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it, these are all opportunities. These are all lessons. God would have me learn the Son of God is still innocent. I don't have to hang on to this. First, I have to admit that I am hanging on to the judgment. And then I have to unlearn what the ego taught me. That's the way God teaches us his lessons. Because once we remove those blocks, the first block I'm pointing the finger at my brother, the second block I'm pointing the finger at myself, 
once we remove those blocks, what left is the awareness that everything I do throughout the day is a lesson God would have me learn of mercy, of kindness, of not judging my brother, not judging. The process is really not no. <laughs> I don't want to judge you anymore, and I don't want to judge me anymore. I, I don't want to do the no thing. I don't want to do the judgment thing. So that's what's going on <laughs> in these lessons. Um, and, and I think a good approach is to look at, you know, the ego has its own course in judgment. <laughs> Doesn't want to admit that. But he's got his own set of 365 lessons in judgment. And if you want to know what those lessons are of the ego, <laughs> you don't have to really look too far. You just let, look, have to look at the contradiction to every title. All, thex, all lessons, all things are lessons God would have me learn. Yeah, from Jesus' point of view, but from my own ego point of view, all things are judgments, are lessons the ego would have me learn. Every opportunity throughout a day is an opportunity to judge from the ego's point of view. That's the contradiction. That's what we need to look at and acknowledge, and then we can remove that block, and then we're okay. So, you know, he says uh, stuff like that. Paragraph three. These are the lessons. These are the things. These are the relationships God would have me learn. His will reflects them all, and they reflect his loving kindness to the son he loves. Yeah, when we get to that third step of forgiveness and we clear all the blocks to that awareness, everything becomes a reflection of love. Everything becomes a reflection of our relationship with our Father. And then line three, each lesson has a central thought, the same in all of them. Everything we do during the day is simply an opportunity to Forgive, and you will see this differently. Forgive this situation, and you will see this, this situation differently. Forgive your brother, and you will see your brother differently. Forgive yourself, and you'll see you differently. <laughs> I mean, just take anything <laughs> and apply it. Because everything is either an opportunity for the ego to judge, or everything is simply an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to help us let it go. Let go of the judgment. Forgive and you will see this differently. He goes on in line four. The form alone has changed. Yeah, every opportunity <laughs> looks different. <laughs> Eating cereal looks different than driving down the road, but they're all the same. If I'm with the ego, I'm looking for a bad guy, even with my cereal. <laughs> I have to do that. <laughs> and then not admit it, because it sounds so silly, but that's what we're doing. The form alone has changed with different circumstances and events, with different characters. <laughs> oh, I can name some characters. <laughs> so, 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 Tim, if, if we're doing it with our cereal and we're not listening to uh, Holy Spirit and what is not love is murder, then we're serial killers, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh that's good. <laughs> so, uh, I lost it again. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, where was I? Yeah. Oh, they are all the same <laughs> in, fundamental er in fundamental content. Forgive and you'll see your cereal differently. <laughs> forgive and you won't forgive yourself and you won't be a serial killer anymore. <laughs> you won't believe you are. 
certain it is, paragraph four, it, it is that all distress does not appear to be unforgiveness. We just think we're being normal. We just think we're eating our favorite cereal. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's either a form of forgiveness or it's a form of unforgiveness. It's always that. Those are our two choices. Basically, am I eating with my cereal with Jesus or am I eating my cereal and I'm preoccupied with something? <laughs> Usually some kind of judgment about somebody or something. It's much more fun to eat your cereal with Jesus. <laughs> the cereal tastes better. It looks better. Everybody you think of it looks better. <laughs> just, just do everything with Jesus and everything's better. But certain it is that all distress does not appear. We're not conscious. It's unforgiveness. Otherwise, we start working on it. I mean, we're not consciously walking around choosing to be in pain, but certainly just underneath the surface, if I'm judging my brother in any given moment and I'm pretending I'm just eating cereal and it's not a big deal, <laughs> then it's causing pain. I I'm, I'm nurturing this judgment. <laughs> I'm nurturing this separation. I'm nurturing the whole sin, guilt, and fear story. Uh, drop down to paragraph five, line three. These are the words with which temptation ends. These words, all, all things are lessons God would have me learn, not the ego. All things, all situations, all relationships. These are the words with which temptation ends, because we're always tempted to see guilt. <laughs> Guilt's everywhere. Guilt in you, a little bit of guilt in me, but mostly in you. It's the temptation to see guilt. And that, that temptation ends, and guilt, ta-da, abandoned. <laughs> we stop the search for guilt, is revered no more. These are the words which end the dream of sin and rid the mind of fear. Sometimes I think I'm making this stuff up, and then there's sin, guilt, and fear right there. <laughs> Jesus, you know, he's got a hard, hard-headed case with me. <laughs> this is, a, I'd be like, nah, this isn't really about sin, guilt, and fear. And he goes, yes, it is. Look, I just said it. <laughs> guilt is abandoned. These are the words which end the dream of sin and rid the mind of fear. The whole story of sin, guilt, and fear is shot at that point. The rug's pulled on it. These are the words by which salvation comes to all the world. So, and you know, he's really emphatic, not even reading between the lines, just reading the lines, how, how much what we do is about judgment. How much what we do is about nailing the nails in somebody, crucifying somebody, which is what he says in paragraph nine. All things, all relationships, all situations are lessons God would have you learn. He would not leave an unforgiving thought without correction, nor one thorn or nail to hurt his holy son in any way. Well, on a normal ego day, that's what we're doing. We're nailing God's son to the cross. We're finding brothers to judge. We're driving in the nails. And then paragraph 10, line three or two, let mercy, let mercy, let the Holy Spirit in. Let mercy, not condemnation, not the ego, 
let mercy come to you more quickly. You know, practice this stuff. <laughs> You'll feel better. There's a big motivation to do this. Um, yeah, so let's see. Let's, uh, Lynn, you want to read paragraph 13 and we'll get quiet for a little bit? <clears throat> sure. This is the lesson God would have you learn. There is a way to look on everything that lets it be to you another step to him and to the salvation of the world. To all that speaks of terror, answer thus. I will forgive and this will disappear. To every apprehension, every care, and every form of suffering, repeat these self-same words. And then you hold the key that opens heaven's gate and brings the love of God the Father down to earth at last to raise it up to heaven. God will take this final step himself. Do not deny the little steps he asks you to take to him. We'll, we'll get quiet for a little bit. I'll bring us back. And gently, gently come back. Any thoughts about that, Lynn? Well, it, uh, it reminded me of um, the very, very last section of the course, uh, Choose Once Again, where um, he says, deny me not uh, the little gifts I ask of you when I lay before your feet the peace of God. It's the same message. If you forgive, uh, I'll lay before your feet the peace of God. If you let this go, it will disappear because it never was there in the first place. You know, we're holding it in place to keep our special identity going. So the little gifts are the gifts of forgiveness that we give. I was thinking of the irony of uh, one of the things Jesus asks us to give him is our judgments. I mean, he's not, you know, he's not asking 
a Cadillac, a <laughs> hundred dollar donation. He's just asking for all our judgments. <laughs> no, my judgments. <laughs> you can't have them. <laughs> so I mean, just the. I mean, he's not asking for a whole lot there. <laughs> he's just asking to lay down what's hurting us, hurting us. Anybody else, anything on anything that's been said so far? I just appreciate that you, you know, you reminding us it's, it's all inclusive, you know, every little seemingly minor thing is really a forgiveness classroom. Every little, every little Cheerio in the bowl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Scott, you got anything? No. <laughs> I just had a hard time getting in. I couldn't, I got the thing. There's a special one today, but I could not find the link. There was a, a, a link, but the link's dead. So it wasn't highlighted. So I kept pushing it and it wouldn't do anything. Oh. So then I had to go find your old classes and get in on the old. I'm glad you figured it out. Good for you. <laughs> oh, determination. <laughs> but it, we've had a, a, a few technical things this morning. So I, I don't know if Mercury was in retrograde. Does anybody know it? Is it still in retrograde? I mean, seriously, it was in retrograde. It still is. <laughs> Man, yeah. when, it went first went, when it first went retrograde, it was bad. <laughs> yeah. So Tim, yeah, um, you know what comes up for me, just like I will forgive. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep away from forgiveness of the world, right? Like trying to rephrase that in the text of what the course's forgiveness is all about. And my temptation is to say, oh, that individual guy right there, I need to forgive him. But how does that look? Does that look like an image? I, or would that be? Too like would that be the kind of specifics that wouldn't be helpful? Like, do I forgive? I just see all my brothers as sinless. Yeah, I think it's really it was certainly helpful for me. I think it's helpful in general to uh, write out or at least kind of get used to in our own words the way Jesus has changed the process of forgiveness of forgiving the other guy because he did something terrible to go of believing the other guy could do something terrible or letting go of believing what the other guy did could actually rob me of my peace. So part of, uh, I think it's really important to visualize and it certainly has been for me. And I think most people to visualize whoever it is you're having to with for sure. You know, we're all walking images, for God's sake. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we blame those images that we're not calling images for all kinds of things. So we start with, what if I'm not upset because I believe this image, this my brother, I'm not calling him my brother, did something to me. You know, see that person in your mind's eye. And you, I mean, you might be drawn to say something to them specifically. You might not, but I mean, at least internally, visualize them and say, I'm willing to go to a place where maybe I'm not upset because of what you did. I'm not upset for the reason I think. I'm not upset because I think you're a thing that could hurt me, which is a thing that could be hurt. So putting those things in our own words, 
first step of forgiveness is, you know, you didn't do it, but I don't believe that. I'm willing to see you did not rob me of my peace. So I'm willing to see beyond that. I'm willing to see my brother the way Jesus does. The second step is I, I take the image of me, <laughs> this self, you know, that's the big, that's the internal thing. What if I'm not upset because this me separated from heaven? What if I'm not upset because I threw Jesus out the window? What if I'm not upset because I believe I separated? What if all that's made up? The separation is made up, the upset made up. So, yeah, I mean, we're dealing with images all the time. Don't throw the images in the window. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, definitely use the images. It's the way back. You know, we made the world as an attack on God, but the Holy Spirit uses those same images in the world to get back to what the reality is, if we're willing to go there. How does he put it? Let it happen. Paragraph 10, line 2. Let mercy, <laughs> let the Holy Spirit in. Let mercy come to you. Let mercy come to you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. So let's look at that intro. Oh, it's back. Way back. <laughs> back on page 336. Three little paragraphs. <clears throat> Potent paragraphs, though. <laughs> look out. <laughs> Three little paragraphs, page 336 in the workbook. Introduction to lessons 181 to 200. Our next few lessons make a special point affirming up your willingness to make your weak commitment strong, your scattered goals blend into one intent. So to, the, to our great relief, certainly <laughs> to, to many of our great reliefs, he says, you're not asked for total dedication yet. <laughs> the yet part is scary, but at least for now, he's letting us ride. A little willingness can go a long way. And then later on, he's going to talk about total willingness, which, which can really freak you out <laughs> or freaks me out. However, for right now, um, he's willing to let us do a little thing. You're not asked for total dedication yet, but you are asked to practice now in order to attain the sense of peace such unified commitment will bestow if only only intermittently in other words we get we get taste of the holy instant we get taste of the real world every time we practice forgiveness with one of those images that jim was talking about you know we get a taste of what it feels like to let go of condemnation and judgment of our brothers and ourselves to attain the sense of peace that eventually our unified commitment will bestow, meaning we'll go real world and we'll stay there. We'll stay in that holy instant and we won't come out. It is experiencing this, meaning these bursts of holy instants, meaning this, this uh, reinforcement that this feels really good when I practice forgiveness it is in experiencing this that makes it sure that you will give eventually your total willingness to following the way the course sets forth. Meaning you'll, you'll be willing to say, I just don't want to do this judgment thing anymore, period. <laughs> Whatever it takes not to do it, I'm willing to do it. So it, it reminds me of um, what happens in um, 
like 12 step meetings. And specifically, you know, that's dealing with a behavioral addiction most of the time. Um, it, you really have to get to the point where it's almost like hitting a bottom, like that, that sense of, I just don't want to ever do this ego thing again. And whatever it takes, I'm willing to do it. That's the total willingness he wants us to eventually get to. It's, it's called hitting a bottom in the course without calling it that. <laughs> right. When we hit a bottom with our addiction, it's, you know, it's all about, um, you know, I just can't do this addiction anymore. I don't know how to stop, but I got to stop and I'm willing to do whatever it takes. So that's what he's talking about with this addiction to the ego. That's when the total willingness really kicks in. That's when that third lesson of the Holy Spirit being willing to be vigilant against the Holy, uh, against the ego all the time. I mean, that's what you gotta, gotta do with any behavioral addiction is every time you get used, you gotta go run and do something quick <laughs> that's recovery oriented instead of feeding the addiction. Well, that's what he's saying here. Every time we get the urge to judge, we gotta begin to learn that we feel a whole lot better when we don't feed that judgment and create a story around it. And I'm willing to ask Jesus for help right away. The sooner the better. He, he, in three, um, that lesson we were just reading, 193, because we have that experience quicker, <laughs> more, more often, quicker and more often. So that's where he's going. Paragraph two, our lessons are now geared specifically to widening our horizons. <laughs> what does he, what is he talking about? <laughs> What's wrong with my horizon? <laughs> it's pretty wide already are now geared specifically to widening our horizons, meaning not leaving out any temptation to judge. Include all our temptations to judge. Include all our judgments. Widening our horizons and direct approaches, once again, referring back to the introduction to the course, direct approaches, i.e. forgiveness, the two steps of forgiveness that we cooperate with, direct approaches to the special blocks that keep your vision narrow. Meaning I'm not seeing the big picture here. I'm not seeing the innocence of all of God's sons. So direct approaches to those blocks. This is of course about the re removing the blocks to our awareness that love is already a done deal. That's what the introduction to the text is all about, removing the blocks that keep your vision narrow and too limited to let you see the value of our goal. We keep running back to, especially um, what he's gonna hammer out, I think a lot in these next 20 lessons is our addiction to special love relationships. Hanging on to those few crumbs of feeling good that uh, we don't quite want to admit, much less let go of. And chapter 15, 16, 17, when he's talking about special love, he says that really is the most, not so subtle when you look at it, but the most subtle, devious thing we do to ourselves and hang on to, and we don't admit that's what we're doing. That we're really, it's just a huge setup that when those special love relationships fail, then I can really blame something or somebody even better than the obvious hate relationships where I know who the bad guy is. But when somebody I love and care about seemingly lets me down, boy, I, I can really self-righteously feel good then. <laughs> Those special 
relationships are not so subtle when we begin to look at them. But he, I think he's really going into that here, that those are the last crumbs we're really trying to hang on to. And he really wants us to expose that to ourselves and then realize how much the price we're paying for it. And too limited to see the value of our goal, Jesus's goal. Meaning we see value in a, a few crumbs here and there in special love relationships. So when that's blocking us from seeing the value of seeing innocence in everybody and letting go of this uh, planned defeat of eventually feeling terrible, continuing to feel terrible, but now I know who the bad guy is. That's the plan. And it's not me. I mean, is to let you see the value of our goal. We are attempting now to lift these blocks, these judgments, especially in these special love relationships. However, briefly, words alone cannot convey the sense of liberation which their lifting brings. But the experience of freedom and of peace that comes as you give up your tight control, <laughs> not just control, yeah, right. <laughs> you got a death grip on this stuff. <laughs> I mean, this is serious. Your tight control of what you see speaks for itself. Hell no, I'm not giving up. <laughs> Look what my special love partner just did to me. It was horrible. Let me tell you what they did. <laughs> You'll agree in a heartbeat. <laughs> Your motivation will be so intensified. Finally, do let it go. When we work through this process, your motivation will be so intensified that words become of little consequence, little consequence, and you will be sure of what you really want. Not those special lo love crumbs, <laughs> special love crumbs. You'll be sure of what you really want, which is peace, which is not having to judge people all day long. And what is valueless? Judgment is valueless. And so, so we start our journey beyond words. That's what the workbook part two is really all about, a journey beyond words. The experience of the holy instant. The experience of, of actually what each of these lesson titles is all about. We start our, our journey beyond words by concentrating first, first, <laughs> what he's gonna talk about, what still impedes your progress. The kind of things he thinks we still need to look at and acknowledge that we're still hanging on to. Experience of what exists beyond defensiveness remains beyond achievement while it is denied. You know, we keep denying that there is innocence. We keep denying there is peace in seeing innocence. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, we think there's peace in seeing guilt. <laughs> As long as you're a little bit more guilty than me, that's how I get a few crumbs of peace. No. Experience of what exists beyond defensiveness remains beyond achievement while it is denied. It may be there. <laughs> it is there. The innocence is there. The peace is there. The holiness is still a done deal. God's son is guiltless. It is there. But you cannot accept its presence as long as you're still holding on to whatever crumbs you're hanging on to, thinking they're somehow gonna make you feel better. So we now attempt to go past all defenses, 
everything we're still hanging on to for a little while each day, no more than this is asked. Because no more than this is needed. Well, that's reassuring. <laughs> I got to start, all I got to do is start with one little image at a time. I don't have to include everybody right off the bat. <laughs> I'll lead to that, but initially it's just pick your favorite bad guy. No more than this is needed. It will be enough to guarantee the rest will come. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to uh, go through um, these 20 lessons, just the, titles, <coughs> just the titles, and look at, uh, and, and if you want to pass, that's fine, but just, uh, you know, we'll go around the screen and one at a time, uh, I'll let you read the lesson title, and then if you want to, figure out what the contradiction to that is. In your own words, if you, if you feel like want, making up something. Um, for example, when I did all things are lessons God would have me learn, well, no, from my point of view, all th things are lessons about judgment the ego would have me learn. I mean, but you put these in your own words, the opposite, especially because that's, they're all true, <laughs> is what you're working on. What you think is the contradiction to that is what we need to work on. Each of us need to work on. So I'll, I'll pick on a brave soul. The two Dave, Dave Dempsey, you want to go first? <laughs> It'll give Dave a time to sweat a little bit. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'd be happy to. Uh, lesson 181, I trust my brothers who are one with me. And obviously I don't, or I wouldn't have all the contradictions to everybody. You know, I wouldn't be judging. Um, I'm always thinking everybody's out to get me, right? I mean, that's, that's the truth of it. And it's trying to unlearn that. Um, and, you know, it's kind of funny because, you know, I'm at different lessons, but um, I'm back here in like lesson 97 and 96 where I'm supposed to spend five minutes every hour <laughs> connecting to that. One. Well, I've done that the last three days. Whoa. <laughs> I've set my timer on my phone and every hour which seems like bing 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 <laughs> but it's amazing when you keep it right here in your total awareness how amazing it is that it all just kind of goes away because your mind is in a different place and it's that kind of vigilance that you know i don't know how you you can't obviously go through the rest of your life setting your phone for every hour, but <laughs> I, I think that just this few days of awareness that if I can just keep my mind frame in the right place, that I may start to trust that my brothers are one with me, you know, instead of believing the exact opposite of that with every thought I have almost, you know, so that's kind of how I see that. So thanks for letting me do that. Very cool. Thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. 182, Dave Van Dyke. <laughs> Dave's coming out party today. He's facilitating the Rocky Mountain Miracle Center. Oh, Gathering. Okay. I'm part of it. I, I choose to um, do it as a, <laughs> just a sharing of, of a presentation. I'm not facilitating. <laughs> that, that's, that's another step up the rung for me. But anyway. <clears throat> I will have, not, have fun. 
Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> I got my presentation already here on PowerPoint. So. <clears throat> I will not be still an instant and go home. <laughs> I, I won't be still for an instant, but I will not go home. <laughs> it just... <laughs> You have to laugh at ego. <laughs> that, that's that's pretty much you know when I sit down to meditate and I, you know I, I start to quiet my mind and I hear that little stinker go I will not be still an instant. <laughs> and going home, <laughs> I don't even know where home is. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But, but um, yeah, you know once you're you're willing to to kind of, um, you know question that and and just say no that can't be right you know spirit help me to see the peace here <clears throat> you know then <clears throat> watch that feeling if you can connect with that feeling, um that is home really and um that you know it, it's like standing um in something that exists forever but we only allow ourselves to glimpse a piece of it at any time. But when we're in it, we know that that's, that's what's actually real. Um, anyway, yeah, the, the ego, uh, like you say, Tim, this is a fun game because uh, uh, you, all you have to do is put the word not in front of every positive <laughs> in this thing. And it works perfectly for the ego. <laughs> There was a, a young lady at, at Roscoe back in the old days when Ken's foundation was in Roscoe. And she was willing to be, in, you know, still for an instant, but she wanted to go home unless she had a return ticket. If she could be guaranteed a return ticket when she went home, she was willing to be still for an instant. <laughs> but there was no way she wanted to be trapped in home because she was still for an instant. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Thanks. Very good. So lesson 183. Peggy Lee, you want to do that one? There you are. Yeah, sure. I'll do that. I call upon God's name and on my own. I will not call upon God. Uh, or my own. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but <laughs> basically I won't ask for help is how I see that. Yeah. And then I don't find myself, so I guess that's what my own means. Oh, that's on the next line. God's name is holy, but no holier than yours. So it's finding yourself is how I'm seeing that. Well, a lot of times, you know, name's such a weird thing. And it's one of those things we, most of us grew up in some kind of religious culture or trying to avoid it, where in God's name, you know, there's lots of stuff done in God's name. Um, my dad used to say, what in the name of God did you do that for? <laughs> <laughs> So God's name was a good thing. <laughs> Probably most of the time it wasn't a good thing. So this idea of name it really helped me when I was working through the course, especially to replace the word name with identity. 
I call upon God's identity and my, on my own identity, which I think is basically what you were just saying. But a lot of these words in the Course, I think we have to come up with our own meaning, at least the way it relates to the process, the way Jesus sees it. So I call upon identity, I call on my own true identity. That's one way of doing it for sure. And I think that's what you were saying. Um, yeah, and I was thinking when we swear, like say, oh, God damn this, or, you know, it's like calling yourself down because you just damned yourself and God. So it's telling yeah, a lie again. Right, that's good. We get God all involved in the condemnation. Yeah. God, you condemn this. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I find I blame God for mostly everything. <laughs> it's his fault. <laughs> <laughs> when we're in ego mode, it has to be, ultimately, it has to be his fault. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Thanks, Peggy Lee. Lisa, you want to do 184? 184. The name of God is in my inheritance. Oh, heck, we don't believe that. <laughs> um, you know, this is, this is a tough lesson for me. Um, we don't believe God is in our inheritance. You know, it, it, line number one, you live by symbols and we make up a name for everything we see. We do because, you know, we're so separated from the love of God that we don't see that, that what is his is ours. We don't believe that for a second and, and, all of the peace and love and trust and oneness that uh, is our inheritance with God that he bestows upon us just because we are one with him. We, we're so far from that belief that, you know, God is on one end of the spectrum and <laughs> here we are on the other. And, um, and, and I don't know, I guess that's just part of this ego world that we're taught this behavior as in this illusion as we're growing up. And, you know, we have to relearn this uh, through the curriculum of the course to understand that, you know, what is God's is mine. What he bestows upon us is our inheritance. And, um, and, and it's, you know, sometimes it's a, a tough slog, <laughs> you know. Uh, so um, that, that's, I think, all I have to say about this, this lesson. This is kind of a tough one for me. Yeah. One of, one of the things I realized about inheritance, because um, I'm, not, I'm not really, <clears throat> I mean, most of the time I'm not in, in touch with, I mean, yeah, love and peace and guiltlessness. It sounds good. I mean, that's my true inheritance. However, <clears throat> when I watch families get crazy about inheritance, fights. I mean, it is some of the most bloodthirsty, I'll never speak to you again moments in a family's history. And it, it's such projection. And I think this really brings it home. We threw away our own inheritance. And now we have to project the blame for that on somebody. So when these inheritance fights come up, like, why did you get my mom's ring? Why didn't I get it? Or why did, I remember I was upset at my brother because he got the better car when my, when my father died. And thank God I was able to use this and work through it. But I mean, we, it's, it's such an instantaneous thing because, because we threw away 
guiltlessness. And now we're blaming, especially in terms of inheritance, who's stealing my inheritance in form. I mean, it gets really dark and ugly really quick. I mean, I've seen family members not speak to each other for years, right to their deathbed, because there was a giant fight about inheritance. So I really, I mean, brings to the surface how important that word is and how much I'm pretending it's not important. <laughs> like, like, yeah, for sure. Thanks, Lisa. So Cody. there's that underlying, there's like that the underlying knowing, right? That who you are and what your real inheritance is. And then there's that projection that lies in everybody. And then you want to project that off because that's one common thing we probably have in everybody that there's a knowing everybody has, I don't care who they are, there's actually a real knowing that we are of God. So when that inheritance thing comes up, I've never thought about it that way, but of course we do. Of course we get angriest then, because that's that physical inheritance that we're projecting because we've lost our spiritual inheritance. I just never never thought of it that way, but that makes total sense. Because yeah. we always project against what we feel worst about ourselves. I mean, that's projection. But yeah. that's true. I, that's 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 bloodlust when that happens. When somebody <laughs> dies and you're going to get something, that's what we think our inheritance is. Mm-hmm. Just never saw it that way. Yeah. It's intense. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the most intense things I've seen families go through. Oh, man. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Thanks, Scott. Mm-hmm. Tony, 185. Uh-oh. I like this one. Thank Uh-oh. you. <laughs> I live the peace of God. This is that lesson that always, whenever I come to it, it's like, oh, no, not this one. I really don't want the peace of God, or I'd have, excuse me, or I'd have it. <clears throat> and um, I know that because whenever I come to this lesson or, or something like it, it, that is the worst day. It's just the absolute worst day because everything that comes up just shows me, no, you really don't want peace. And and, <laughs> and this is just the evidence, you know, but um, I'll find every excuse possible not to, you know, to blame somebody or something else. Because if I really, if I really had peace, I wouldn't be here anymore and I, I wouldn't be the separate person and I don't want to give that up. So. <laughs> you know. I like the way you choked when you said, <laughs> I, I told I the peace of God. That was good. <laughs> that was good. Thanks, Tony. <laughs> yeah, that's a wild one. Well, he even, you know, I mean, in the first paragraph, to say these words is nothing. To mean them is everything. <laughs> and like you say, yeah, we'd, all, we'd already be there if we really wanted it. <clears throat> and we do, <laughs> but there's a part of us that we're pretending doesn't want it. Very good, thanks. Abby, you wanna go, 186? Uh, I can't hear you, Abby. Better? There you are, all right. Okay. Salvation of the world depends on me. Well, that's in bad shape then. I, I, salvation of the wor- world doesn't depend on me. It makes me think uh, 
It makes me feel like I'm being oppressed again. How so do you think? What's that? How so? How so? What flesh out that oppressed again thing? Yeah, well, in retrospect, I look at how I've crucified myself for years, and then it's like, I don't want to crucify myself again. I'd like to get get away from that, pull the nails out. And then the salvation of the world, I have to change my perspective of the world if the salvation of the world depends on me. And that's the extent, and what, to what extent am I willing to do that? Yeah. So. It brought up, I was in a situation in a long time ago, course meeting in, in New Mexico, and uh, I was leading it, and I was talking about um, less than 93. This little old lady, she, <laughs> she must have been in like, late 80s, early 90s. I thought she was going to come across the, the room. There were about 30 people in this meeting and cut me. Because <laughs> she thought, I was talking about our need to be a victim. And, our, and on top of that, our need to fix the world, like you were talking about, how oppressive that feels. And she wasn't buying that anymore. She didn't want to see herself as a victim. And she thought I was saying that's what she needed to do. <laughs> so before she cut me, <laughs> I said, Let, wait, 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 <laughs> let's just look at this from Jesus's point of view that we, you know, like he's saying we internally believe we need to be a victim and we need to be oppressed. And, um, and then worse, we need to go about playing Al-Anon through our lifetime, fixing everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's, this is, you know, from Jesus' point of view, salvation of the world depends on me is not that we become a Mr. Fix-It. It, that is oppressive. And it, and it is impossible. <laughs> and why would I want to do that? But salvation of the world depends on me because I'm the one condemning the world. <laughs> I was the one that was, you know, looking for the bad guys and saying who the bad guys were. So salvation, meaning non-condemnation, is simply when I stop judging the world. That's the salvation of the world, because I've con it was condem condemnation of the world dependent on me from the ego's point of view. I had to seek out who were the victimizers. I had to play the role of victim. I had to play the role of oppressed. And then try to fix that a little bit. Good luck with that. <laughs> but salvation of the world depends on me, because I was the one that was judging everybody and everything, including me, and I'm the one that simply needs to save it by stop judging. That's the good news. Yeah, I was thinking about how oppressive. Yeah, that looks like <laughs> Mr. Fix-It <laughs> from an ego's point of view. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Makes me cringe. Thanks, Abby. Thanks. Alexa, you want to do the next one? Sure. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah. All right. Um, I bless the world because I bless myself. Uh, screw everything and myself included. That would be the ego. <laughs> bless the world because I bless myself. I, I don't know why these, these, these opposites are pretty funny, actually. <laughs> 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 to say them out loud. 
I think you covered it, Tim, when, when, when you bless yourself, whenever you understand that you are sinless and you are fine, you can't help but extend that to other people, right? That's what I feel here. But whenever you're in ego mode, it's like, I'm feeling bad, you're feeling bad, everyone's feeling bad right now. It's time to feel bad. I think that's the two opposites for me there. Yeah, and even more important, if you're not feeling bad, you should. <laughs> I'll make you do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll help you feel bad. <laughs> Give me a chance. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Thanks. Very good. Judy, you want to do the next one? The peace of God is shining in me now. <laughs> oh, no, it isn't. <laughs> What is this piece anyway? <laughs> Conflict is much more interesting. <laughs> I'm going to live in the future, hoping that somehow peace will come to me, and meanwhile, get in little scraps with people. <laughs> I'm a hopeless case, in other words. <laughs> Nothing shines in me except. <laughs> <laughs> These lessons become a whole lot more fun when you do them from the ego's point of view. <laughs> oh, oh my God. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Lynn, you want to try one? 189. Sure. <laughs> oh my, I feel the love of God within me now. Mm. Um, well, I know you're feeling the love right now, but you just have to pretend. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm just uh, <laughs> thinking of um, what that really, what that, what that really requires, you know. To feel the love of God within me now is, is really um, to let everything else go. And, uh, you know, we're, we're so confused. It's like, you know, no, I don't. Um, we're, I, I'm confused about what love is. And um, there's so many ideas that we've been taught and taught ourselves about, about love, that, uh, you know, it's always personalized somehow. It's about a me and about a you. And um, so how are we ever going to feel it? So, you know, it's really a hard thing to say. I, Jesus says, isn't it easier for you to say, I hate than I love? Isn't it easier for us to talk about, you know, all of our problems than to talk about how we're blessed and how, how loved we are? So it's, it's really looking at that and seeing how invested, how invested I am in something other than making space to feel the love of God. I was thinking about that idea of making space. And so, I mean, internally, you know, the first step when we stepped outside of heaven, we thought we trashed the love of God within us. I mean, that was the ego statement. I trash God's love in me. I'm separate. I'm not part of that love anymore. 
I don't want to be part of that love anymore. So obviously I don't feel it. So I trash the love of God within me now. And then the second step that we took as egos was to project that and say, and do it. You trash the love of God within me now. You made me have to be mean. You made me have to be cruel. I don't feel love now because look what you did. You trash the love of God within me now, not, yeah. So making space is reversing that whole process. Maybe you're not the one trashing the love of God within me now. And then when we move inside to internally, I clear the space of maybe, maybe I could feel the love of God. Maybe I, I was the one trashing it, pretending it wasn't there. Hmm. It brings up a really good point. And Lynn brought it up a second ago, but you brought it up initially, Tim, when you were talking about love crumbs, remember? And it's holy relationships and special relationships. And something that's happened to me over the last year maybe is I was like dating or seeing or whatever, three different women, just dating. And uh, what I found out is when I started practicing celibacy, I was able to be with three different women. One knows, one knows unity, knows the course, thinks just like I do. One is a Mormon, uh, we, and she's the sweetest person I've ever met. And one knows nothing of God and doesn't really care to. But once you do celibacy and you take that special um, body, potential lust, potential, you take that out of the equation, you find out what love really is. And I don't mean it to sound weird, but these three women all know each other now and me. And there's no, there's no jealousy. There's no nothing. It's just, and they're free to do whatever they want. And it's like, and I don't really, I don't know what they're doing and I don't care what they're doing. But what's really cool is you get to experience real love. And it's just so different because the ego doesn't get to bite on that body element of the relationship. In fact, the opposite takes place. Only real love happens. You don't get this artificial thing going on. You know, it's just like, anyway, Lynn just touched on it again, it was about him and her, and that can be really holy, or it can be you, what, you, what she just said, you, you caused that. That's the reason I feel that way. But it's just, it's just such a, call it a trick, whatever you want. But you stay in a relationship and you, and you go to celibacy and, and maybe love them when you can't even stand it anymore and you have to. I think that's, that's love, you know? It's like, that's, that, maybe that's real love. But it's just, it's just amazing, you know? And the other thing I want to touch on because you brought it up, so, and I love what you, what, how this brings up stuff. You talked about... AA, you talked about AA and recovery, and I, I really, I go there because I watch people, because that's a living trampoline. Those, there's people walking in there at their bottom, which you talked about it a minute ago, but there's also people that are just going right through the roof. And that's what I love so much about AA is you actually, it's a living trampoline. It's just people going through it in life, and some of them are going to just keep going, you know, and you don't want to miss it. And they just... They just like pour it out. You know, the only thing I never liked about AA is I hated labeling myself an alcoholic. I don't want to limit myself to 
putting that stigma on me that that's me forever and I'll be that the rest of my life. And I just hated saying it. I still do. So I don't know what other people think about that. But when you guys bring stuff up like that, I just I just throw that out there because it stimulates other conversation and I like to know what other people think. But anyway, I just mm-hmm. I just dumped yeah. on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for, for saying that, Scott. I think um, the, the I in this lesson, I feel the love of God within me now, depends on who the I is. Obviously, uh, your example of letting go of the body opens the gateway for the love of God because it isn't, it isn't the body that feels the love of God. It isn't the personal self that feels the love of God. It's the, the love of God can only come to us when we let, let, let that go. All right. It's not possible to have it for my specialness. <laughs> specialness and love are mutually exclusive. Yeah. One, of, one of the things <clears throat> I think I became aware of in recovery is a lot of times you know, I mean, this is not a course about behavior, obviously. So, I mean, it's not, it's, it, Jesus isn't telling us we have to be celibate. But I, I think in terms of behavior, what, I, what I've seen, when people come into recovery, for example, in Al-Anon, some people are very aggressive in terms of being very <laughs> um, mouthy in terms of telling people what they should or shouldn't do. And then there were those who were totally you know, doormats, and they wouldn't say anything. So it was almost like, in terms of behavior, you had to swing to the opposite behavior, and you didn't die. And then you kind of swung back a little, and you swung back a little, until you were in the middle, and you realized it wasn't about whether you were a big mouth or whether you were a no mouth. I mean, for the, for the people that were big mouth and always telling people what they should and shouldn't do, they, you know, it was get out the duct tape. For the people that never said anything, it was a huge thing for them to finally say something. So, I mean, the way, you know, the way our, our own personal dealings with our ego play out is we get used to a certain way of doing things. So certainly celibacy can be very, very helpful. And certainly I found it helpful for years, the same way you did, Scott, because I, I think I was using it the other extreme, meaning if, I, if I'm not celibate, I'll die. And so I had to find out that when I was celibate, I didn't die. And not only that, I, I didn't, it didn't, you know, I felt better. Yeah. I felt better, not because I was celibate, but simply because I, I began to realize it wasn't about behavior at all. It was about being kind. It was about letting go of judgment. It was about letting go of resentment, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, that's, that, that's a great topic for another meeting. <laughs> we can talk about that a lot <laughs> another time. You brought it up. We just have love problems. I, I know. It's a, a good. It's uh, my fault. Don't say love problems. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you ready, Rosemary? 190. There you are. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, 190. I choose the joy of God instead of pain. So the opposite would be is uh, maybe uh, <laughs> I choose the, the joy of the ego to get pain. I don't know. Um, right. mm. I choose the joy of God. 
Well, you know, that's it. Is pain real? If pain is real, then God is not. And God is real, then pain is not. So I think I'd rather choose God (laughs) (laughs) and not have have any pain, you know, because I realize Mm -hmm. that there is no I, there is no body, and it's all in my mind. I'm just projecting this. So if I want the pain, then I just don't want God. That's all. Um, I want to just wallow in, you know, self-pity and and a belief that I'm a body. And uh, that always ends up nowhere. It's just suffering. It's an illusion. And uh, it's just a dead end. So I know there's joy and I know it comes from God and it doesn't go away. It's there. If I, you know, if I just concentrate on that. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks, Rosemary. I think this is one of the most infuriating lessons I see personally in the whole course is he's flat out telling me I chose pain. If I'm seeing pain, whether you're in pain, or I'm in pain, if I'm seeing it at all, if I'm feeling it at all, I'm choosing it. And I'm like, F no, I'm not. <laughs> I would never choose something that stupid. <laughs> you know, I've had some pretty serious physical pain where I was ready to, you know, like, I'm not doing this anymore. And, uh, but just the idea that we're choosing pain instead of joy in any given moment is really, insulting <laughs> to my ego not not to me as a guiltless son of god but certainly to my ego that is really insulting i would not do anything that stupid is but then forrest gump stupid is as stupid does am i choosing this what if i'm choosing this <laughs> oh my god <laughs> how do i stop <laughs> this hurts <laughs> yeah good thanks rosemary Osmani, you want to do one Can you hear me? Yes. Ah, okay. <clears throat> it's, uh, I am the Holy God of, I am the Holy Son of God Himself. Um, this is this lesson. It's, it's been really tough for me mm. because I, I am not the Holy Son of God Himself. I don't want to be. Um. So. I want to, you know, keep belonging to this world. I want to keep believing in what I see. So this, uh, to me, is one of the toughest ones. To admit that, you know, forgiveness is your, is your, um, it's the only thing you have to do and everything you see is not real. This is a tough one. So thank you. Thanks, Asmani. Yeah, what a, an equally infuriating lesson and, and a tough one, I think, is I'm not a body, I'm free. I'm still the Holy Son of God <laughs> that God created me. I mean, it's, I mean, it's why it's in the 200s. <laughs> it, it's kind of like where we get to, it, it's the third step of forgiveness. It, it is a miracle when, when we really experience I am the Holy Son of God himself. 
But the good news is I don't have to go around saying that all day and being miserable because I know I don't believe it. <laughs> the way I actually get to that awareness is first I let go of believing you're not the Holy Son of God. And that'll bring me back to my insistency that I'm not the Holy Son of God. So once I, I have practiced asking Jesus for help, seeing you're still the Son of God, even though what you did or didn't do was pretty bad. And then when I bring it back to me <clears throat> and I realize how much I'm insisting I'm not the Holy Son of God, then I'm, I've had practice asking Jesus for help with, with the other guy. Now I, I use that same awareness to ask Jesus for help with my own insistency I'm not the Son of God either. And that's the dark night of the soul. I mean, this is the dark night of the soul, is, is our insistency, our hanging on to, I am not the Holy Son of God. And it just looks like it's the way it is, because look at our history of what we've done and what, how we've hurt people and how we've hurt ourselves and how we're going to go out and hurt people again tomorrow. And it's just going to go on and on and on. And so there's this whole litany of sins, that second step of forgiveness, that I'm insisting are real. I'm insisting that's who I am. And, and I'm, insisting, I'm still insisting you're not the son of God either, because I, I couldn't be cruel to you if you were the son of God. I couldn't hurt you if you were the son of God. And then if I'm the son of God, I couldn't hurt me either. And Jesus would, would not, not be hanging around if we weren't the son of God. I think that's one of the big awarenesses is Jesus is still so present in that second step of forgiveness. And he didn't leave because we still are the son of God. So, yeah, it really is a dark night of the soul lesson, I think. It's where, you know, it's where we get to. It is the third step of forgiveness. It is the miracle. Good. That's mine. And <clears throat> rather than go too far over, Steve, you, Stephen gets the last word. He gets the last lesson. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. <laughs> oh, well, you better be good, Steve. <laughs> thanks a lot. <laughs> 192, right? I have a, yeah. I have a function God would have me feel uh it says down here forgiveness represents the function here uh, for me this is mathematical it's probabilities uh i i can forgive and i can forgive really really well with some but not all you know it's it's all or it's all or nothing it says down here also uh these are just my underlinings so it's easier for me creation cannot even be conceived of in this world. Forgiveness is the closest it can come to, to earth. Uh, so, you know, that, that shows you what kind of, uh, uh, what, what kind of task we've, we, we have in front of us. Uh, I would like to forgive everyone. Uh, I don't watch much news, but I read those feeds. Uh, you know, the economy, uh, you know, the, uh, the social milieu, the, uh, you know, the politics don't get me started. You know, I, there's no way I'm going to forgive every, you know, there are times when I just think to myself, well, I, I'd just like to be the king of the world. That way, you know, I could do this, the, you know, I could, I could be a, an egalitarian, make everything come out right. But, but anyone who thinks they're forgiving every, everyone all the time, you know, I want to talk to them because uh, I need that kind of help. You know, forgiveness is 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 so far out there I, you know i know we're uh, we're at the end here i could go on and on but no, no i don't want to forgive everyone 
but I sure would like to get to the point where I overlook every, everything everyone does. And I wouldn't keep doing this if I didn't think that was possible. It says in here over and over, we cannot fail. Thank you. Hey, thanks, Stephen. <clears throat> I mean, it's really hard to even become aware of <clears throat> that the function my ego would have me fill is judgment, is condemnation, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm seemingly, what did, what did Ken call it the other day, Lynn, transmundane? Transmundane. Yeah, so moving out of the mundane is looking for judgment, is looking for condemnation in every little mon mundane thing we do. And then moving out of that into sharing the, the awareness of mercy on everything we do, letting the Holy Spirit move through us, lights up everything that we see, we do, we hear, we say. So that the function God would have me fulfill is just letting the Holy Spirit do this. I don't have to do it. Letting the Holy Spirit fulfill his function. But the function I think I have do mundane things and think I'm not being judgmental. That's the function the ego would have me have. And the reason I'm upset is the reason I think it's your fault, <laughs> not my fault. So the function that, that the ego would have me feel is try to look like I'm just being mundane, but look for judgment all the time and don't admit that's what I'm doing. I mean, that's horrible. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of work. But it's consistent. The ego is certainly as consistent as Jesus or the Holy Spirit is. So, yeah, thanks, everybody, for all of that. Um, as a closing, Judy, you got something? Or are you just playing with your mic? <laughs> okay. Unless let's end it on a happy note. <laughs> Very happy. Uh, Jesus's way of looking at things. Uh, page 385 in the workbook. This is uh, the last three paragraphs in the workbook. Kind of summarizes everything that's happening in these 20 lessons, certainly in the whole course. So Lynn, you want to read uh, lesson 9, 10, and 11? We'll get quiet for a little bit. On page 385? Yes. Let us not lose our way again that let us not <laughs> all right <clears throat> let us not lose our way again today we go to heaven and the path is straight only if we attempt to wander can there only if we attempt to wander can there be delay and needless wasted time on thorny byways. God alone is sure, and he will guide our footsteps. He will not desert his son in need, nor let him stray forever from his home. The father calls, the son will hear. And that is all there is to what appears to be a world apart from God, where bodies have reality. Now there is silence. Seek no further. You have come to where the road is carpeted with leaves of false desires fallen from the trees of hopelessness 
you saw it before. Now are they underfoot? And you look up and onward toward heaven with the body's eyes, but serving for an instant longer now. Peace is already recognized at last, and you can feel its soft embrace surround your heart and mind with comfort and with love. Today we seek no idols. Peace cannot be found in them. The peace of God is ours, and only this will we attempt, accept, and want. Peace be to us today, for we have found a simple, happy way to leave the world of ambiguity and to replace our shifting goals and solitary dreams with single purpose and companionship. For peace is union, if it be of God. We seek no further. We are close to home and draw still nearer every time we say, there is no peace except the peace of God. And I am glad and thankful it is so. We'll get quiet for a little bit. And gently, gently have a happy, happy, <laughs> happy holy instant day. <laughs> Thanks, everybody who shared. Thanks. Sorry we didn't get to everybody. <laughs> Thank you, Tim and Lynn. Thank, Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care.